from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode 154. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, Balance, and Encapsula. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen Hackett. Hello, Michael Hurley. And Mr. Federico Vatici. Ciao, Federico. Ciao, Mike. How are you? I'm good. I'm on, uh, I'm on edge because this is probably the most ambitious, from a recording mm. perspective, we have ever <laughs> tried with this show. So are you on an iPad? I'm, uh, I'm using an iPhone and Federico's using an iPod. No, this is not true. So, Stephen, you are at home in your office. There is no change on your side. Mm-hmm. I am in New York in a hotel room with mm-hmm. a bunch of equipment that I've only used once. Federico is at the beach tethering yeah. <laughs> whilst yes. also using High Sierra uh, on a Mac. So we are like really just throwing I, caution to the wind I don't know why you today. find this so strange. You keep because you're using beta software uh-huh. to record this podcast. Are you not? Are no. you not using beta software? No. I, I, I don't believe you. I'm on Sierra. I wish that I wasn't <laughs> even on Sierra, but this is the situation <laughs> that I'm in for reasons we'll get into a little later okay. on the show that I don't want to talk about right now. Fine. Uh, All right. But okay. no, I've run, I, I never, I always try and stay behind on the Mac. So, you know, if you just don't sh- touch things, then it will continue to work. Well, I mean, you stay behind on the Mac anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, all <laughs> platforms, am I right? Inherently behind, am I right? Anyway, so I just. This is already off to a great start. Excellent start. So I'm in New York is City it, right now. Is it a great start? It's brilliant. It's perfect. So I, I'm in New York right now. And I have had two observations that I wanted to share with you both about using technology in New York City. Okay. Number one is that GPS is basically unusable. My phone never knows where I am when I'm walking around. So, like. Mm-hmm. Trying to find somewhere on Broadway or whatever, or Times Square, is, it's impossible. The it, it can never seem to really find where I am. It never knows what location I'm going in. So, like, I'm having to basically just ignore the GPS now, and I'm just looking at street signs and just map reading. And I found that really interesting because I don't have this problem in London. It must just be something about the amount of tall buildings because the density of tall buildings is higher here than in central London. But I just found that really interesting. The other, which is... More frustrating is that my AirPods are really unreliable when walking around the streets. Like they oh, keep really? breaking up and, and like stuttering. So like I does that happen in London? No, I've uh, and mm. I've uh, I've had it happen to me a couple of times. But like taking them out and putting them back in, it's fine. But like I'm walking around here, and it's just kind of cutting out. And weirdly, it seems to be like if. Like it seems to sometimes cut like based on my movement. So like as I'm walking, it like cuts for every step sometimes. Or like if I move my head, one of the AirPods cuts out. So like I'm wondering if there's some kind of Bluetooth thing where like so many devices are kind of sending it a little bit crazy. And it doesn't mm. seem to make a difference whether I have the case with me or not. And I just wondered if this is a normal thing. I feel like it can't be because I would have heard this more but it's been they've been almost unusable today it's like not just been a little bit it's like a constant thing i uh it's probably the government first oh of all. gosh darn it probably yeah, that's true uh, some people in the chat room are saying that they see this sometimes in densely populated areas so it definitely could be a thing i'm really curious uh if you have this issue, please let us know. Yeah, I would like to uh, know. I would really like to know. Like, if this is the thing that happens to people, especially in big cities like New York, but it hasn't happened to me in London. But it's 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 been really bad when walking around. Hmm. 
That's weird. Mm-hmm. I uh, I sometimes have problems with mine dropping out if I change direction too quickly. So, uh, like if I'm on a bike, I'll wear just one of them sometimes. And if I turn my head real quickly, sometimes there'll be a little stutter. Or if I'm if I'm at the gym and I do something that where I end up like um, I don't know, like uh, doing back back extensions or something, where like my head is upright and then it's not anymore. Like if I'm leaning way far over or something, sometimes I'll get a drop. Like it's just weird little things from time to time, but I have not had anything like that. And, but I've also never been in that densely of a populated area with AirPods. I mean, I work in my backyard. It's not a lot of people out here. It's very quiet, very quiet. So yeah, there you go. AirPods are weird, but I do love them still, but weird. Should we do some more traditional follow-up? We should. And this show is going to really, I think, bend our definition of follow-up because scrolling through this, a lot of the topics, almost all of the topics, are are part follow-up. So it's going to be hard to draw a line here, but we're going to get in. This into is a this. very special episode today. It um, it's it is something. So last week we spoke about the Apple Watch as sort of a spiritual successor to the iPod, and we were going on and on about how great it would be if Apple Music could do something with the watch. And turns out WatchOS 4 does some stuff with the with Apple Music. There, uh, we had a bunch of tweets and, and emails about this because the none of us are running this right, so we weren't really aware of it. But it basically seems like uh, the music app on iOS and it can send the songs you love the most. I guess if you listen to them or if you heart them in Apple Music. It will sync some of those to the watch. I don't really understand like the parameters that you have mm. to cross into to have music sync, but mm. you, the idea is that you have some up-to-date music on your watch at all times. Yeah, it seems like it's uh, sending the like a combination of your personal mixes, so like my new music mix and my favorites mix and the new recently launched My Chill Mix. And it's also sending the, I think it's called the heavy rotation playlist, which is basically like the songs you love and the ones you listen to the most in any given time period. And I saw today that uh, on beta 5 of iOS 11, which we'll talk about in a minute, um, there's a new dialogue when you open the music app. And if you have an Apple Watch paired with your device, you will get the screen that tells you uh, there's going to be music automatically sent to your watch so you can listen, you know, uh, offline without having to, uh, you know, automatically downloaded on your watch and you can you can select with a with a few toggles the playlists that you want to keep on your on your apple watch which is quite handy because when you as soon as you start the app you can say well yes automatically add this music for me so mm-hmm. i don't have to think about it anymore so that's getting closer to what i envisioned uh, last week about you know uh, sort of like having an extension that you can say send this to my watch uh, it's good to see that there's a, an automatic option that takes care of that for users, in, you know, especially for the playlists that a lot of people listen to. I think that's a great idea. Yeah, man, me too. So th- there's also some talk like today uh, or I guess yesterday with Beta 5 that the now playing complication has been removed from watchOS 4, which is a bummer if that is true. I've got to think that's temporary, right? Like. That seems like an important complication to have. That feels like a bug. Why would you yeah. <laughs> remove? No, I mean, maybe because you, uh, I could see Apple maybe saying you can access now playing from the dock, but that doesn't make any sense because 
you know, the Apple Watch is all about customization and having multiple options. So why would you remove the complication? I don't know. Yeah. So I, I haven't I haven't installed WatchOS 4 yet, but I plan to, uh, especially because I want to try this automatic music stuff and also the Siri watch face. My only problem that I tried, you know, I, I, I tried yesterday is downloading betas um, while on vacation using personal hotspot. So if you... There's two ways to download a beta. You can download the actual file that you restore with iTunes, or you can do the OTA uh, installation. When you do the OTA installation with the profile, so you do directly on iOS, um, you cannot download and install over 4G. And this is one of my uh, bigger complaints about going on vacation without having Wi-Fi at home, just using the iPhone and iPad with their 4G connections. Uh, even if I have like 20 gigabytes of like my monthly plan with on my iPad is 20 gigabytes and I have another 15 on my iPhone, so I have plenty of data. I cannot choose like let me download the firmware file and install it or let me download a game even if it's one gigabyte. Like this is something that I understand that I want to do because I have enough, you know... Uh, capacity in my data plan yeah. but iOS doesn't let you and there are so many things that iOS still doesn't let you do whether it's by you know whether it's something that Apple decide, decided or limitations of third parties like streaming HD YouTube videos I like those limitations feel like something that like uh, solutions to a problem that was kind of mainstream years ago but now I don't think, especially in Europe, I don't think it's too uncommon to have these crazy data plans that yeah. are relatively cheap. And you can stream a lot of video, you can download a lot of games on 4G. Often it's even better than the Wi-Fi I have at home, but I cannot use it because Apple or others decided that I cannot use it. And that kind of, that really annoys me. Because yesterday... Um, I had to basically create a personal hotspot on my iPhone and then install the firmware on my iPad because personal hotspot kind of makes the iPad believe that it's on Wi-Fi. That doesn't make any sense, but it's the only workaround that I can think of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like this is something that, you know, I don't think you should, Apple should just change the setting for, like, in general, like, to be like, oh, use whatever you want. But it would be maybe a, a thing you could have in, like, the carrier section, just like a toggle of, like, data usage limits or something. You know, so you could just be like, just let me do it. Just let me use this as if it's Wi-Fi. Because, I mean, if you took the data plan from your iPad, turned the iPad into a personal hotspot, you could then download the, whatever you want on the phone. Right, and it's just taking it from the iPad's yeah. data plan. Yeah. So, like, if, the, yeah. if you can do that, then it's the same thing, just in a weird reverse kind of order. So, just let me make the decision. You know what? It's it's, it's weird, yeah. right? Because like you can trick it yeah. by using so, two devices. So why can't I just do it? And and I get the idea of not having this kind of thing on by default because there'd be people that would just destroy their data plans sure. and get huge charges. Sure. But a, like a toggle would be really good and it's something you could just yeah. hide in the carrier settings or something like that. Yeah. It's like it's like speed limit. Like my car has a speed limit button that you press and once it's engaged, the car doesn't go over you know, 130 kilometers on the highway even if you keep pushing on the gas. Uh, but I can disable the speed limit and either I get a ticket, <laughs> you know, I get fined not that you would, because I go over. Right? Not that you would. Not that I would, not but that you would. or like if, if I'm on an empty road and I know what I'm doing, you know, it's my choice. And, you know, I feel like with this 
cellular stuff. I, I'm, I'm not saying that we should go over the speed limit, by yeah. the way. It's just... You're walking into some real tricky... <laughs> I'm, uh, Obviously, no, I'm you not mean that. I'm when saying... you take your car to Germany and you go on the autobahn. That's what you're talking about, right? Oh, yeah. It's easy to get that confused. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it's one of those like design choices from the manufacturer that they believe that's the best option for you, but they don't necessarily know the context that you're in. Um, so in my case, I have a lot of gigabytes and I cannot use them because for some reason Apple thinks that it's the best option for everyone to not use those, you know, to not go over 100 megabytes on the App Store and to not download betas. But And I understand that argument. It makes sense for most people, but it's also true that a lot of people do have the data to 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 do those things and we are forced to use these workarounds and so this is all a basically a parenthesis to say that i wanted to download watchOS 4 beta yesterday but i couldn't because uh, after i downloaded my um the ipad beta on at the, at the beach uh, i had to go because it took a while and so i didn't have time um, and it's very sad because I wanted to try WatchOS 4. You sound like unnecessarily sad about it. Like, you sound like really down about this. I'm very down about it because I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, to try the beta, to try all the new... Uh, I know, Mike, that you love when people say to try the new beta bits. And mm. I wanted to try the beta bits, I'm sure Mike. you did. You want all those, all those good bits. All those mm. bits, Mike. <laughs> Put the bits on your watch. Uh, talking about <laughs> yeah. the watch, uh, the, there, is, there are lots of rumors. Well... Thanks to the treasure trove of information that was the HomePod firmware, which is probably going to be, and you guys mentioned it last week, like favorite story of the year contender, right? Like when we do our wrap up, because this thing is just so wonderful. Like the amount of stories and information that have come out. So because now when there are more rumors of something, so like there was a big Bloomberg article about there's going to be another Apple Watch this year, people start digging into the HomePod firmware again, looking for stuff. And there's more kind of traces to confirm that it looks like that there will be a LTE enabled Apple Watch at some point this year, probably around September. I'm I'm all for it. I really am. I mean, we've we've talked a lot about this. We talked about it last week. I feel like I talk about it every time I talk about the watch. Like this seems like an obvious next step and one that I'm excited about. Yeah, I mean, we were talking about this with Sylvia just a few days ago. Um, we were into the the problem where uh, now we have to uh, go out with the dogs in the morning so they can do their things. And often we're in a rush, so they don't do their things inside the house. And usually in the morning, our iPhones are still charging. Um, often because I fall asleep listening to music, so my iPhone didn't charge at all. So as soon as I wake up, I attach it to the charger. And I was walking out the door and I didn't get my iPhone. I was like, you know, it would be great uh, if the Apple Watch had a SIM card. And so even if my mom calls me or whatever, I still get those messages and I can still do something on my watch. It's kind of like having a mini iPhone uh, without having to get to take my iPhone with me. And I know that it sounds crazy to, you know, why wouldn't you take your iPhone with you? Because, you know, everybody has a smartphone smartphone, uh, all the time. But I feel like this brief moments of the day whether you're working out or you're going for a walk with the dog you're you know uh, it's gonna be great to have just a little computer or your on your wrist and you can forget about the forget about the smartphone and just have that uh 
useful connection to the outside world on your wrist. That's going to be awesome, I think. There, it, it does raise a lot of questions about how it would work, how it would... I mean, I assume this thing is not going to be like a full-fledged iPhone where it's just on the cellular network all the time. My thought is that if its companion iPhone goes away, then it either like gives you a little bump and says, hey, do you want to turn LTE on? Or maybe it does it automatically. You know, kind of like the, the GPS on the watch is only on when you are using a workout that utilizes GPS. It's not on all the time to, to save that battery. I think the LTE is going to kind of be on demand as opposed to something like the phone or maybe even a cellular iPad where it's just it's kind of on all the time and iOS can use the data for whatever it wants. I think to manage that battery life, they're going to have to put some constraints on it. And I think it's fine. I think, I think they can totally do that because, you know, most of the time my phone's going to be with my watch, right? I don't hardly ever go anywhere without it, but if I want to go for a run or a bike ride or a workout and leave my phone somewhere else, then it, you know, it should, it should do the right thing, kind of be able to stand on its own in those situations. All right, take a break. Let's do it. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks. Hey, freelancers, people out there who are working on their own projects, billing people, if I could tell you that you could reclaim 192 hours of your time this year, would you do it? All you need to do is switch to FreshBooks because they have made cloud cloud accounting software that's so simple they can help you do just that. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks is able to help you drastically reduce the time that it takes you to do your work, and they are helping over 10 million people deal with their paperwork more efficiently every single day. With the new projects feature, you can share files and messages with your clients directly or even the contractors or employees that you'll be billing. You can see how quickly things happen when all of your conversations will live in one place. It just gives you a real easy way to keep track of how something is progressing. And then when you eventually email a client at an invoice, FreshBooks will show you whether they've seen it and what they've done with it, which will put an end to the guessing games of trying to understand if you're invoice has even been seen. FreshBooks may have over 10 million users, but they've managed to stay a pretty small company, landing them the title of small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year. And I know that from working with them for for what we do here, for the sponsorship, but also working with them as a customer, they have that feel to them. There's a really great team, a really great group of people building the FreshBooks product. If you're listening to this and not yet using FreshBooks, now is the time to try it. They are offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of this show with no credit card required. Just go to freshbooks.com connected and please enter connected in the how did you hear about us section so they know that you came to them from this show. So once again, 30-day free trial at freshbooks.com slash connected. We thank FreshBooks for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So we have, oh my God, the HomePod stuff <laughs> again. It never, it never, uh, never ends. ends. I wonder if this, do you think we're going to keep finding out more or do you think we've probably got everything we can get out of this? I don't this know. Point? I mean, I feel like just now on Twitter, as we started recording the show, someone found something about it, the phone knows if, or can tell if you're looking at it and would mute notification sounds if it senses that you're aware of the phone. I don't know. It seems like there's all sorts of stuff in here. <laughs> wow. But uh, there's another one. There's more hints of a Apple TV refresh as well. It is weird to me. That, like, why is every single product mentioned in this thing? It's, it's very confusing <laughs> uh, to me. It's, a, it's, a, it's like a parade of leaks, yeah, basically. It's, it's one it's like, file. It's just everything. Put- Everything in there. Uh, hmm. I don't know. One idea could be um, 
that because all of these devices can now talk to each other with stuff like continuity and like automatic setup, you know, when you tap to set up a nearby device, uh, the reason to include these flags and these sort of headers for different devices is to make sure that the HomePod is aware of other similar devices in the ecosystem. So like if you want to, for example, I don't know, but maybe uh, stream uh, a video or a song from the Apple TV to the HomePod, maybe you can. Or like if, uh, and of course, if you want to stream a podcast from the iPhone Pro to the HomePod and to the new Apple TV, it's just to make sure that all of these new devices are aware of each other. And that's my interpretation for why all of these product names and placeholders are in there. Uh, it's kind of weird, though. Like, imagine imagine how many things that we don't know are actually in the betas that we try every year. Mm-hmm. And this time we got lucky. So it's kind of it's kind of a fascinating glimpse into the how the machine yeah. works. It's like someone was using Xcode as a note editor. Like, oh, all this stuff I'm working on, I'll label <laughs> oh, yeah. it top secret so no one sees it. <laughs> the, this rumor, though, it so there's reference in the the source code to a 4K Apple TV that seems like it would be capable of HDR output. So if you have a 4K HDR TV, this thing would look awesome. Uh, if you're like me and have a 1080 non-HDR TV, then uh, you get to skip an uh, upgrade cycle. But... This does match with reports from a couple of weeks ago. There was a Mac rumor story. Someone noticed like 4K HDR in their iTunes purchase history, like a little flag had been set wrong. And, you know, if you, uh, you still can, which blows my mind, you can buy SD content in iTunes and it'll say like SD or HD. seems like 4K HDR was a label in there. And there was talk then, this was uh, last month, that Apple could be getting iTunes and like the movie rentals business ready for 4K slash 4K HDR content. And obviously they're not going to do that unless they have an Apple TV to play it on. So I think if this is true, all this will come at once. We'll see the 4K HDR Apple TV and we'll see 4K HDR content available on iTunes. I'm sure it'll be very limited at first, just like it was when they rolled out HD video. It took some time for everything to sort of get updated and some stuff didn't, but it's time for this 4k televisions are here to stay. And it seems like Apple may finally be kind of getting all the pieces together, which is, uh, which is great. I mean, the future of television may not be apps like Apple said it was going to be, but 4k and HDR are definitely here to stay and they need to address that. You know, if you have a 1080, if a regular Apple TV now into a 4k TV, uh, it looks okay. Most TVs kind of sample that stuff and, uh, and scale it up and where it looks all right. But Having this uh, in 4K really would would be nice. Steve Durant Smith on Twitter, I think today, was talking about you know developers uh, of Apple TV apps. Apparently, people develop still develop Apple TV Wait, apps. What? This is an app. I know store? it was really no. I know it was really confusing. Uh, that you know you you need to get like two X assets ready, and so this is will be very much like the Retina transition on, on iOS, where mm. you have your regular sort of one X graphics, which are you know for the 1080. And then you'll have 2x for 4K. And uh, so, yeah, it seems like that that is uh, where this is headed. And I think it's um, I think it's great. And I, Mike, I had a question for you. You bought a TV this this year. Did yep. you buy a 4K television? Yeah, a 4K HDR-enabled TV. Okay, so does this excite you as someone who, like, your TV can take advantage of all this? Like, is this something you would get? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Because hmm. uh, my TV has a bunch of apps built into it, right? Like Netflix and Amazon and stuff. 
and those applications they show HD content, like sorry, 4K HDR content, and it's unbelievable. Like we watched House of Cards in 4K, and it just looks fantastic. I mean, House of Cards isn't the best for this because everything's just dark, right? But right, right, in more ways than one. <laughs> exactly. But there's you know we've seen some some nature shows that the BBC iPlayer app has this like HDR demo thing, which I was just screaming the whole time I was watching it because it looks so good. So I like it. I like that content a lot. Um, and you know I'm fine using the TV apps, but like the Apple TV apps are better than the apps that I use on my TV, right? And I would love mm-hmm. to be able to watch YouTube videos in 4K and all that sort of stuff. So this would be a, a purchase that I would make. I would I would upgrade mine. Okay. Cause plus I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I don't want to keep beating about around this, but I will keep saying it. I have the I have the bandwidth for it. Like it's no problem. Like mm-hmm. I have amazing yeah. internet. I don't know if you knew that. Um, oh, I was unaware. unaware. Yeah. It, it, it is true. It is true. I've seen it. It's fast. Oh yeah, you. I did. When Federico came to my house, I showed him speed tests. I was. <laughs> I, I did Should this. have downloaded he, your beta then. He, <laughs> yeah. he, he he was bragging to mm-hmm. me. I was like, "Oh, you're not even in the best spot in the house. Mm-hmm. You should you should go near yeah, the, the Wi Fi. So you can get even even faster speeds. It's like it's fine, man. This is plenty fast. Oh, but, yeah, Stephen, I'm going to quiz you here. All right, we're okay. gonna do a little Apple history quiz because I need you to this, give me a name of something. This do you is, remember uh, when the iTunes Store, all the music was increased in bitrate? Mm-hmm. There was a program that Apple did where it allowed you to pay a little bit of money, right, and you could increase the quality of all your songs. Yes. Do you remember what that was called? Um, was it like mastered for iTunes? No, that's something different. That's when an album is like specifically been mastered for digital. Yeah, oh, it yeah. wasn't complete my album because yeah. that like that's like if I own two songs mm-hmm. and you want to uh, just buy the rest. It's called uh, iTunes Plus. iTunes Plus, good work. I found yeah. the K-Base article. Of course that. you did. So I'm hoping notes. that they will have something like this for iTunes purchase content. Right, so that oh, yeah. you don't have to buy everything again. You can just pay a little bit of money for all the movies that you own, and now they're in 4K. I hope yeah. that they do that. That would be good. That'd be nice. iTunes Plus. That would be iTunes Plus. Good work. Man, I had to reach deep for that, Mike, but it was in there. It was in there. So let's let's change gears a little bit. Two weeks ago, yeah, I'm leaving now. All right, so like, you two got this without me. No, no, you're not leaving. Oh. You're not leaving. You're not. Le- I was waiting for this. I was looking at the documents. How, like, the housekeeping yes. is here. I have to go. That's, that's not true. No, there's there's no housekeeping. <laughs> Just bring them on the money. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> two weeks ago, you were getting ready to travel. Mm-hmm. Like we talked about, you're traveling this month, and you bought a 12 inch MacBook, single, single little USB C port. A while ago, I didn't buy that two weeks ago. We need to just clarify that. It made it sound like I just bought that thing. I've had it. For you a bought while. that months ago, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, in preparation of your travel. I confronted you about this laptop, saying that basically you bought the wrong computer. And you, if I remember correctly, you agreed with me one hundred percent. You were very thankful for my loving advice. Listeners, you can check the tape. That's definitely what happened. No, I ag- I agreed with your point. I just didn't want to hear it. There was applause from the heavens. Right, yeah. that was it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, so what computer is in front of you right now? Marco Arment's MacBook Escape. <laughs> yes. So what happens <laughs> the- after the show is mm-hmm. a Slack conversation begins 
but that really was started oddly. by yeah. Marco, I believe. And I'm, I'm, I'm almost confident that you two were talking about this beforehand. Because what happened was like, two, I think two days, probably two days of cajoling uh, mm-hmm. bet- from these two to me, telling me why I was making such bad decisions and how easy it would be for me to, to get everything over. Uh, so Marco, because Marco, I think, has bought 17 laptops in the last uh, year. Yeah. Um, More he than had me. a stack lying around, and uh, <laughs> one of them Why? is a 13-inch is a MacBook Pro, and it's it's pretty decked out. It's not the current one, right? It's the one before. It's the first, the, the first the lot. 2016, yeah. So I have a 2.4 gigahertz Intel Core i7, 16 gigabytes of RAM, and like 500 gigabytes storage, and... Yeah, I'm gonna say you were right. You were right mm-hmm. because if if there were to be a hashtag, it would be Stephen is really mean. Hashtag Stephen is really mean. Wow, and that's best hashtag. It's great, mm-hmm. right? Um, I it really backfired on me. One hundred percent agree with this because all right. So I'll say just because one of the big things to me was the weight thing, right? I have not put this in my backpack yet. I put it. I picked it up, and I because I haven't got on a plane since this. I've just been like traveling on trains and stuff. So I just threw mm-hmm. it in my suitcase in the box, right? So it's just in there. My suitcase <laughs> was already mega heavy anyway because it's packed full of a month's worth of stuff and equipment, including microphone stands, which are effectively just weights. That's all they are. Um, yeah. So my suitcase is already really heavy. I haven't put it in my backpack. It will be in my backpack when I fly. But I'm willing to accept the weight because. After the first show I recorded and edited, I was like, yeah, no, this was the right choice. Because this thing, honestly, it, it feels a lot like speed-wise and capability-wise, just like my iMac, right? Like, I yeah. feel like I'm able to just process hmm. stuff really quickly. Good. And I'm not waiting for things. And uh, I know I would have been with the MacBook. And I'm just going to say as well, right, I have it plugged in right now. And I have my USB recorder. There's a, I've taken a trip to Dongleton. There's a little dongle sitting here. But I have two ports. And they're both plugged right in, rather than having to use this little adapter thing. Uh, this was the the right choice. Um, I didn't want to buy an, a new computer for the price that it was, and Marco gave me a good deal, so here I am with uh, with a computer. I feel like it has really good lineage now, you know? This is a good vintage yeah. on this machine. I do feel like I should clarify the timeline a little bit. So Mark and I did not speak about this before mm-hmm. I talked to you on the show. Nor did we speak before he started our Slack conversation. However, this was the exact laptop that was in the back of my mind because I knew that he had one that he wasn't using <laughs> and that I figured would be for sale. <laughs> and I, I, gotta, figured, I gotta say, I gotta say, this sounds like an this sounds like an organized effort. To no, get it sounds like a hit, right? computer. Like, it sounds like it sounds like someone saying I'm not a liar and they're in fact lying. <laughs> No, Are I'm you not. Sure no. You, mm, mm, no, I just mm. I know Mike very well, and I like to think mm. I know Marco pretty well. And I figure Marco mm. will hear this and want to help Mike out. He'll understand the jam that Mike's in, and you know he's got this computer to unload. So Marco makes some money, sells a laptop he doesn't need. Mike gets a laptop, Basically, and I get all the glory. It really worked out for everybody. 
this is the MacBook Mafia, Steven. It really is. Over here. It's like yeah, it, man, you are fishing for titles today. It's like an entire <laughs> it's it's an enterprise, man. I mean, I'm fishing for titles. You're just you're just thinking uh, of computers to uh, move around between families. It's just what I'm are just you helping doing? people, man. I can't help. Just, it's in my nature to want to help my friends. Yeah, you better watch out because right. you won't just be fishing for titles, Federico. You'll be you'll be sleeping with the fishes if you <laughs> carry oh, on man. poking on this guy. <laughs> I will say as well, I got the true like tam service with this so like i, I was at marco's house before we went to so, the, so, the pe- so what it's like what it's like buying tell us what it's like buying a computer at the marco store so i what had does, a what, uh, the- i had a, a hard drive which had a time machine backup and he was just like give me the hard drive and he took it and he like he, <laughs> and then i about an hour later i was given a computer ready to go he like did the whole thing for me it was amazing I got everything. He presented all the pieces to me individually. I even have like the plastic that goes over the computer that goes into the oh, box. Wow. Like it's the whole, you get the whole deal. So nice. A plus 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 would, this would buy again. Better than the Apple store. <laughs> <laughs> I can't well, guarantee um, that you'll always get this experience if you buy from computers from Marco, but there's no. to well, I'm glad it worked out. I, I'm, I'm really pleased to hear that it is making a difference. Um, even though it was done, uh, it was done in actual concern, not just getting to make fun of you on the show. So I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out, and I'm glad you're happy with it. So, what are you going to do with the the 12 inch MacBook? I mean, is it going to be? Does this have a place in your life, or does this know. MacBook Pro push it out the door? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I haven't made my mind up yet. I don't want to keep two computers, two like two laptops, uh, just right going and running all the time. So, uh, I think it's going to have to find a new home. Um, yeah, I just I just don't want that. Is that it's already frustrating enough? Like every time I have to go on a trip or whatever, like just dealing with the administration of like making sure the laptop is all up to date, right? To open it, everything needs to sync, right? Like all of my messages need to come through one by one. Like it's a whole big thing. <laughs> um, I don't want to have two computers lying around. Like it's just not a thing. So it'll either go to somebody in my family that wants it. Um, I don't think I could see people saying like, "Oh, would Adina want it?" She has a MacBook Pro, which she loves. I, I can't imagine her wanting to change to this because she doesn't take the yeah. MacBook Pro anywhere. Like it's just at home, so I think she's not going to want to change it. I'll ask her though if she wants it, then she could have it. Maybe there's a, I have another family member that might want it. Otherwise, otherwise we'll look to sell it. I guess. Um, I, mm-hmm. I I just even even if like I, I know I'm going to miss the weight, right? Like I'm going to miss the lightness of that computer. I, I don't want to have two laptops. Like it's it's silly. It's just it's yeah. Just that's that's not really a solution. I it's mean, not for uh, me. I mean, both you right? Yeah, like, you know. So I, I'm I'm gonna get rid of that. So somehow, but I work that out when I get home. I work that out when I get home. Cool. I'm glad it worked out. So mm-hmm. I'm also very curious. I see you in just a few days. And I'm very curious to see if this new MacBook Pro has stickers on it by the time you make it to Memphis in like 48 hours. I don't think I have yeah. any here. You don't so. have a reserve with you at all times? No. You know what? I should have brought some because obviously I knew that this was going to happen, but I didn't think to bring stickers. Yeah. So Pre-stickered. You have you have some stickers at the house, I'm sure. So like I'll just I take do. some of those. I've got some. Yeah, I've got some. So, well, good. I'm glad, I'm glad it worked out. Hey, so it's August... Um, oh, so that means August is uh, Relay FM's anniversary. So, is it next week's episode or the week after where me and Stephen will be together? Is that next it week? It is n- next week, a week from today, three p.m. Eastern, and that is anniversary week. Um, anniversary week kicks off our membership stuff. So we do this every year, 
uh, where we have a bunch of really special things going on during the month of August and stretching into September, which is for Relay FM members. So if you are already a Relay FM member, great, you're going to get all of the amazing stuff. If you're not, you should sign up. Memberships start at $5 a month, and Relay FM members get access to a monthly behind-the-scenes newsletter, which Stephen puts together every single month. He handcrafts it. Uh, we have previews of upcoming shows, so every now and then we have a pilot or a show that's getting ready to launch, and Relay FM members always find out about those first. We also have a members-only podcast, which Stephen hosts once a month, where he interviews two existing Relay FM hosts about a big topic. And they're these random, wonderful things where you're going to get two mm-hmm. people come together to talk about something typically they they're usually not used to talking about, so that's really fun. And also, this is the big thing for, for August, which is why we talk about it now. You get access to a feed which is full of bonus episodes of Relay FM shows that occur throughout August and September. Now, these will start next week. Um, I think Connected is first, right? On Monday? I believe so. Yeah. So we recorded an episode uh, where we spoke about our home screens. So we did this last year, so we did it again. We all put together our iPhone home screens. And I think what I'll say is... It is surprising that we are still here today based upon <laughs> how that conversation went. Um, there oh, was, you're making it worse than it was. The, Come on, it was fine. Eric, I'm trying to sell it to people here. Come, right? I want them to think that there's like drama. right? We've got we to gotta sell this. This is the hard sell. Uh, people, people like love. They don't we like were drama. torn apart at the, at the center <laughs> over well, the decisions that we all decided to make about our home screens. It was a lot of fun. Uh, if you do enjoy us poking fun at each other, which I'm pretty sure you do by now, this episode is full of that and it is available for Relay FM members new and existing. So you can show your support for this show and Relay FM. Uh, if you go to relay.fm slash connected, you can sign up for this show. You can support connected directly. Or if you want to support more shows or every single show on Relay FM, go to relay.fm slash membership. There's more information there and a bunch of buttons that you can click um, and you can give us some money and we really appreciate it and we give you some bonuses in return. So if you are a member already, thank you so much. If you become a new member, we really appreciate it um, and there'll be more on its way to you soon. So we've got lots and lots of really fun bonus episodes planned for our members. So I uh, thank you very much. Yeah, we, we do have one additional thing. So we've done, we did this at launch and then we did it last year. So it's not quite an annual tradition, but after this year it will be, I guess, where you and I sit down for a Q&A during anniversary week. Last year we did this, I actually just listened to it like a month ago. I was super sick this time last year, laryngitis. So it's basically just you talking for an hour, but this year, we're going to do it uh, when you're here. We're going to do it as a video. So mm-hmm. you and I are going to answer questions on camera. We're going to put it, I think, on your YouTube channel. So it won't be as long as as you know the hour-long podcast was last year. But just to, to spice it up and do something different. Uh, so if you have a question for us about uh, Relay, about podcasting, about what MacBook Pro you should buy, whatever, about life, love, what. what you should do at the beach for a month if you're Federico. We're probably just going to answer questions about Relay FM, though. Like, Speak you can send yourself, in anything man. you want, but, like, you know. I'm only going to answer questions not about. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, so you could submit questions on Twitter. Use the hashtag RelayQA, and we will uh, we'll see them and, and be gathering them. We're going to record that in the early part of next week. So uh, get those in, and we're looking forward to answering your questions. Hashtag RelayQA. Birthday week's fun. You're, you're here. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to do a bunch of fun stuff. If you're in Memphis, we're going to do a meetup next Thursday night. Uh, there's a Facebook event floating around. So anyways, that's, uh, that's, uh, this month of Relay. Lots of stuff. 
Lots of cool stuff. Yeah. So thank you so mm-hmm. much to everybody that helps support us. Let's take a break. We have, oh my gosh, there's so much more left to talk about today. This is an action-packed, action-packed episode. Um, I want to talk to you about Balance. Balance are the team behind Balance for Mac, which is an app that helps you monitor all of your bank balances and card transactions. This team have just launched Balance Open, which is a free open-source Mac application for checking Coinbase. Now, Coinbase is a popular marketplace for cryptocurrencies, which is stuff like Bitcoin and Ethereum. And Balance Open is the best open source digital wallet to help you keep track of everything. Now, if you know what that means, you should go and check it out, right? Because you go like, oh, this sounds like a good thing. I have tons of cryptocurrencies falling out of my pockets. I'm going to go look at Balance Open. If you have no idea what I'm talking about and you're completely new to cryptocurrencies, that's okay because Balance wants to help teach you about them. And they're going to do that by starting you on your way. The first 1,000 people that go to bal.money slash relay, that's B-A-L dot money slash relay, will receive $2 in the Ethereum cryptocurrency for free as a gift from Balance because they want to help you learn more about this stuff. Go check it out today, find out more, and try out Balance Open. Our thanks to Balance for their support of this show. Never had a sponsor give away free money before. Um, I think that that's, it's really interesting. When they told me about that, I was like, yeah, okay, we'll do that. That sounds like fun. So go get yourself some free money, I guess. All right, should we talk about uh, talk about new iPhones? Did you guys know that there's Again? a new iPhone? There's a new iPhone. It, interesting. It's pretty cool, I said, right? I said, I said funny, funny when every time I'm talking about the new iPhone every year, there's someone among my friends or my family, usually my mother, uh, she goes, oh, they're making a new one. <laughs> <laughs> they hadn't given up yes. yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, they, they are making a new one, in fact. And oh, apparently this year it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a big one. That's so. amazing. <laughs> so what, what do we have this time? We have a, a bunch of stuff. We're going to start with the design, and then we're going to talk about maybe some of the features. And, and some of this stuff has been... Stuff we've, we've spoken about, but then some of it's new. So uh, MKBHD, everyone's favorite tech YouTuber, put a video up a couple nights ago of a, a model that some people have made kind of putting all this together. So it has the edge-to-edge screen. It has the the little notch in the top for the camera and the earpiece. Uh, it's a great video. All of his all of his videos are great. But a couple the thing that really jumped out at me is that this model has white front glass and boys, it is it is not good looking at all. Like it is really, I, I think at least, really sort of jarring. Well, this is exactly why I threw out a prediction that I thought there wouldn't be one. Right? There wouldn't be a white phone because it doesn't look right. The, the the back looks fine. The front looks really strange because there's barely any of it. It's it's very weird. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like we're going to talk more about this, like what are they doing with the the chin and the forehead? Like what is that all going to be? Right? Like we can we're going to talk about that a little bit later on. But this is like part of it. It's like why would you have this OLED screen, or this beautiful black OLED screen, with this white little part sticking in the top? It just looks really weird. Yeah, it does look really weird. So uh, th- some other things on here. The phone looks really small compared to a plus. So the, the general idea here is that it's the screen size of the plus, but basically in a body, the size of the regular phone. And that's, mm-hmm. it's like easy to say, but when I saw them side by side in his video, it really surprised me. Yep. And as someone who's used to a bigger phone and I, I like the plus, uh, all three of us do, I'm looking f- 
kind of looking forward to this because I can have the same screen size, but in an overall package, it's smaller. And I think that's a big win. Samsung and others have already gone down this road, of course, but I think it's going to be really nice to have a phone that's this size, but also smaller, kind of all at the same time. Yeah, it's going to be so weird. It's going to be so weird. Like, I wonder if it's going to feel small or if it's going to feel big, right? Like, that's what I wonder about. Mm. Like, how is it going to feel to actually mm. hold it? And like, when you look at it, what is your? how does your brain process it? I think for us, it's going to feel small. Uh, you know, going, we've all carried the Plus now for like three years. Mm-hmm. I think for Plus Club members, it's going to feel like a smaller phone. And that may take some getting used to, but I think for everyone else, it's, it, you know, it's going to feel, feel right. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on whether we're going to get the same amount of content shown on screen yeah. as the iPhone Plus, or if we're going to get like an iPhone 7 type of content area with like this function sort of uh, non-content area at the bottom. So like when I'm scrolling through my TweetBot feed, am I seeing uh, you know the same number of tweets that I would see on the iPhone Plus, or am I going to see two, you know, like... Uh, five tweets instead of seven tweets and then like this empty row at the bottom with the home button and other shortcuts. So like I think the idea of having the screen of a plus iPhone into the body of a non-plus version I think it's great but ultimately it comes down to how Apple deals with the function area situation. If it's like, if it's a persistent area or if it's like, it's an overlay that can disappear and it's like, it's contextual and it can show you content. I think it, we got to see what they do in that regard. Mm -hmm. But this model itself, right? The phone, I think it looks, it looks amazing. I I think it really looks very cool. Like the band that runs around the side, stainless steel, right? Is the thinking, um, that looks. I think that looks fantastic. Like just looking at yeah. this model, and it's like, wow. Okay, like this is gonna feel like something pretty special. I think I, I'm. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a a, a nice change. You know, yep. there's there's talk about the glass back, and so you you automatically think of maybe the iPhone four and four S. And so I've I've actually have one. I pulled I pulled my four out uh, yesterday, kind of in prep for the show. And like, it's nice because it, it is so like the design of it's nice because it's symmetrical and I think it's very clean looking. I still think that's a better looking phone than what we have now. And it seems like a, a move back to that a little bit, obviously in something much thinner and probably something still with rounded edges as opposed mm-hmm. to the squared off look. I think it kind of will blend the current design and that four for S design in a way that's really pretty, pretty, pretty special. And I think, I think it's gonna be great. I'm, I'm. I said this, I think, last week. The more we learn about this phone, like the more excited I am about it. Yep. It's not a, oh, no, like the surprise has been ruined. I mean, part of me, yes, feels that way. But overall, I'm like, come on, September. Like, let's do this. I can't wait to, to get my hands on one of these. So there's some uh, rumors and images about the colors. Um, it looks like from some leaked images, there will be three colors for the next iPhone. White, uh, a black, which is probably jet black. Like, the, it looks pretty shiny. In the images? Uh, yeah. Well, if it's glass, it's going to, I mean, mm, mm-hmm. it's going to, you know, like it, it seems like it's got to be jet black or something close to it because yeah. the glass is going to make it shiny. Um, and then also uh, champagne gold, which looks kind of copper-like. It's almost like if you took... It looks kind of brown, basically. Yeah. I, I feel like <laughs> if you took rose gold and gold and kind of mixed them together, it would probably come out close to this, right? Like it feels like it's this mix between the two of them. 
Um, it's the Zune phone. I, I mean, I, do you know what? I actually think it looks kind of cool, right? Like, I think it's an interesting color. Um, depending on how the front looked, depending on whether I'd want it. Like, I, I really want a black front. Like, if if it looks exactly as it's being shown off right now, I think the black model is going to look the best with the screen, right? Um, yeah. But I think it's an interesting color choice. I'm so, but again, like, I just remain completely surprised about the idea of a white front on these things that just seems so strange to me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's also wireless charging stuff so there was a leak from foxconn which shows something (laughs) called an engineering validation test of a product code name ferrari which is understood to be a code name of this iphone which shows a large wireless charging coil within the product so this, I guess, would would suggest wireless charging with the glass back being able to assist that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this this is very similar to the, the leak we had of the Apple Watch, like two days before it was announced, this sort of late uh, stage testing. Uh, also, it's on Windows XP, which is hilarious to see if you haven't seen Windows XP in a long time. But the, the wireless charging would require the glass back, so it, that can help explain that move. And if these photos are real, then this is what's happening. I mean, you don't get to to this level of testing in China if this isn't the plan. So the the conversation is also about like what what does this look like? So Gruber for weeks and weeks has been saying, and I think the tipster even the ATP tipster even today on Twitter said, uh, yes, but it's going to be an add on. So the 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 uh, wireless charging, you know, the pad or whatever the other side of it is would be an additional purchase, which if, okay, like I, I kind of get that. But um, the the idea here, I guess, or like the thing I want to talk about is this post that Casey wrote, Casey Liss. Uh, and he's on vacation, and so the <laughs> the URL is, I always think dumb stuff like this, but I'm on vacation, so YOLO, I guess. <laughs> which is really good because his argument is dumb. Like that this the phone would be the first phone with no ports, like a if this thing comes without a lightning port and no ports, then like, I don't, I don't know. Like when you make a crazy bet that can't come true. I would say like, I, I read this and the argument isn't bad, but it's too soon is the way. Like everything that he poses about the, the, the potential for why this could be a phone that doesn't have any ports on it. So like wireless charging, wireless debugging, Xcode, water resistancy, the fact that the seven dropped the headphone jack, there's AirPods, like like all of that stuff I think leads to the argument, but it's too soon. I think we're a couple of revisions away. Like I believe that one day there will be an iPhone with no holes in it, right? Because why not? Right? If you're introducing all this technology, like you may as well go the whole way. Um but I think he got the I think his conclusion isn't isn't on the money this time that it would be this phone. I think we're a couple of revisions away, but I think it will happen. Yeah, that, that's yeah. fair. But if you're going to write a, a post of a URL like that, I'll support it. I <laughs> I love it. It's in the document. It's so funny. Um, but the thing is, though, like I do this too. Like what case is down here? And I'm sure we all do. Like I have these ideas in the shower where I'm like, I've cracked it. And then I think about it a little <laughs> more later. And I'm like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Um, one of these thoughts is actually what I want to talk about now, which is the virtual home button. Because I've been spending some time thinking about the virtual home button after listening to you two talk about it last week. Right, The idea of there being, as Federico was talking about a minute ago, like this function row, this area of the screen, which is unused um, by applications, and it has a circle, that's the home button, and maybe some other stuff on it. 
I just wanted to like just talk about the kind of pointlessness of that with the information that we have at hand. So we don't know the whole picture, right? But let's just assume that everything that people were talking about, like those posts that Alan Pike did that you spoke about, all of the tweets that Steve Trout Smith has been doing where he's trying to see what he thinks it looks like, you know, everyone is drawing these conclusions of that uh, there'll be this bottom of the phone which apps can't use, right? And that there is some system stuff in there. This feels like a waste. It feels like this is wasting everything. Like it wastes Touch ID, because we may as well keep the button if it's part of a screen we can't use. We may as well keep <laughs> the whole physical thing. Um, it, it loses the idea of Touch ID as a thing, right? Like we lose that if the phone goes full screen with this face detection thing. And it also wastes putting the bigger screen. Like why make an edge-to-edge screen if part of it can't be used? Like I feel like there must be more than what is being proposed like, but the idea of there being just like this black part of a bottom of a screen that has a circle on it that's a home button, it feels like such a waste, right? Like, why would you make this screen much bigger if all you're going to do is block off part of it that nobody can ever use? So I've been trying to think, like, what additional features could go there? Now, I don't know completely what they would be, but like, let's just assume that this is completely unused and only used by the system. I thought that maybe one of these things could be a multitasking button. I was watching a Lyft driver use her Android phone and she wanted to switch apps. So she pressed a button, right, which is persistent on the screen of Android phones to go into multitasking. And I was thinking that that could be a thing because mm-hmm. multitasking now would be double tapping an area of the screen, right? Because that would be the home button. And that feels weird to me, right? Like to double tap this area of the screen. And also in iOS 11, the 3D touch action is mm-hmm. gone where you squeeze on the side. Yeah. So if yeah. if this is just this completely unusable part of the screen, which I, I, I hope it isn't. I hope there's a way to do more of it. I was thinking that maybe they could put a button to activate multitasking in there. Yeah. Um, I've been thinking about the the introduction of the iPhone when Steve Jobs was talking about the physical keyboards on smartphones at the time. And he mentioned, and I'm paraphrasing here, but he mentioned that one of the problems with physical keyboards is that once you ship them, you can never update them with software Mm -hmm. because you shipped a bunch of physical buttons that cannot be ever changed unless you buy a new phone. And so I'm thinking if Apple is doing a virtual home button with this virtual function area at the bottom, why replicate the physical bezel of the iPhone with the home button when you can do so much more because it's a a screen, it can become anything you want. And so it would be a loss, I think, not just for for users, but for Apple to imagine, you know, how can we go beyond this bezel that we have, this basically this glass that we don't use at all. Now we have a chance to put any control we want in there. And so it would be not just a loss for us, but a loss for, you know, for Apple to not imagine something like this. So I want to be positive and I want to be optimistic. And I think Apple is doing something like this. And there are so many ideas, obviously the multitasking one, I think it's a great idea, Mike. Um, But arguably, you know, if you think about it right now, the home button already is kind of software because it's not a physical, it doesn't physically move anymore and it uses the Taptic Engine. Mm -hmm. And so I think we should go a step beyond. And so the home button could 
maybe transform into multiple shapes. So like when you look at Siri, for example, in iOS 11, it kind of looks like a home button, like the Siri icon. So I would assume when you press down, uh, the home button would physically, trans like virtually transform under your finger. You would see the Siri graphic and maybe... I don't know, but depending on context, it could become a Siri indicator or it could become an Apple Pay icon. Or maybe, you know, when you're on the home screen, it could be something else to, you know, to open Spotlight or to, you know, to navigate between pages. It could support gestures, for example, uh, to switch between apps or to open multitasking. And we're not even thinking about the idea of 3D touch because it's a screen after all. So if, if there's 3D touch support in the function area, you could enable even more shortcuts by pressing on either the home button or some of these other controls. There are so many possibilities. And I think, you know, Siri, home button, multitasking and spotlight could be pretty safe bets, especially now that it's even harder to uh, open Spotlight on iOS 11 and to open widgets on iOS 11. I think there's room for those kinds of controls. I've been thinking also about how do you deal with the status bar, you know, like mm -hmm. uh, if Apple is truly sort of embracing this notch at the top of the of the iPhone with the split status bar, uh, does the function area get some of those controls that would normally go at the top or do those stay at the top and we get different stuff at the bottom? Um, it's interesting to think about, like, how do we change the gestures that we use? Can we still tap the status bar to scroll to the top of a list, for example? Or do we have to tap on some indicator in the function area? And usually, I think, I try to apply the, you know, the, the, the model of usually the simplest explanation wins. And that is, the status bar is going gonna, is gonna to be split. We're going to be able to tap... Uh, near the notch or in the two ears on the two sides of the iPhone, uh, we can swipe down from the notch to open notifications and we're going to get some controls in the function area. I also think judging from, you know, the HomePod leak and some of the other APIs in iOS 11, um, some apps will be able to request a full screen entitlement to the system. So like photos or videos or maybe YouTube could say, hey, I want to display content in full screen. So hide the home button and the function error right now. And when you tap the screen, it will be uh, shown as an overlay. So in full screen, you watch a video, there's no home button. You tap the screen, you view the, play the playback controls, you also view the home button again. And maybe there's going to be like a minimized mode to only show the home button, but not the full set of controls in the function area. And also there's the question of what happens when you switch to landscape? How do those, co those controls sort of reorient themselves? So it feels like it's a, um, it's a crazy territory right now because there are so many possible ideas. It's basically, we have an entire new screen into the screen mm -hmm. and only Apple knows what they're doing with it. And we're only left you know, here speculating and thinking of ideas in the shower. So, you know, I, I, I'm really excited about this. I think it's going to be, you know, not even... Uh, people are saying it's, it's like a touch bar. I think it's going to be so much better than a touch bar because it, if my instinct is correct, we're going to get all the, like, the most essential controls and shortcuts in there, not like additions like the touch bar is, mm -hmm. but like the stuff that we use every day, multitasking, you know, search, home button, all in there. And that's exciting. 
Yeah, so I just want to see it be used well, right? Like, and a lot of that stuff is it, right? I, I just what I'm what I don't want is just it's just the bottom of the phone, right? Like that's boring. Yeah, yeah. and we can look. Uh, I'm going to be that guy. We can look to see what Samsung has done here because the the S8 has a touch sensitive, you know, it's screen all the way to the edge, and there's a excuse me, a pressure sensitive home button. Uh, so it's, you know, you're down there at the bottom, you force touch or 3d press, whatever the verb is to, to activate that. And they have multitasking and stuff like every other Android phone has ever had, but they sort of layer has, have layered in pressure to make the bottom of the phone act differently in different situations. And I think that whatever they end up doing here, and I agree with you, Federico, like there's lots of possibilities. I think the simplest one is always the best way to go. I've got to think that 3d touch is going to make a huge impact here that they're going to rely on that to, to mode switch or or have different things available at the bottom. And so I think the way Samsung has done it and the way they solved it, it may not be perfect. I actually haven't used an S8 for any extended period of time, but I think Apple would, would follow down the same direction of using pressure sensitivity to solve some of these problems. Maybe considering how we got personalization in control center in iOS 11, I could envision like a menu that says customize the controls that you get in there. Yeah. Like, do you want to get search or do you want to get multitasking? It's like it's your choice because it seems like this seal has been broken in terms of customizing the system controls. Now we have a precedent and it's coming with iOS 11. So it wouldn't be out of character. You know, there's a home button menu in the settings right now. It wouldn't be weird, I think, to have like a function area or something. We don't even know what the name is. I think function area is ugly. Uh, so whatever the name is, shortcuts bar or something, uh, we're going to get, I, I think it wouldn't be too crazy uh, to see some customization you know, available. Last thing before we move off this, I just want to talk about this HomePod thing again, because may, you know, maybe I don't understand enough of this stuff, but I'm just thinking like, it, whilst there is so much information coming out from this, is it worth treating it? Like it's a holy grail, like every piece of information is contained inside of here. Like, could there be APIs that relate to things with this new screen size that we just haven't seen yet that are meant for the phone that like we just don't see? Not sure. I I think so. Uh, I mean, especially when it comes to the to the hardware stuff specific yeah. to the to the to the new iPhone and I I don't know because uh, this is like a full version of iOS uh, as a HomePod software update but I think it's possible that some of the APIs are not included in there I think it's unlikely uh, because it feels like the major stuff we've already seen but maybe we're wrong maybe we don't know and maybe there's like an API for uh, third-party uh, function area integration uh, is coming and it's not advertising this leak. Because I was wondering, like, what if most of what we've seen is akin to some kind of, like, compatibility mode or something, right? Like, how apps run without taking advantage of this stuff because these APIs just weren't included. Yeah, I, I don't know enough of how these things are built. Me either. I was hoping you would be able to tell me if I was right or wrong. But, no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I just think it's possible, right? It's possible. It's possible, but I guess it also depends on if you if you test a compatibility mode. How uh, why wouldn't you include the other bits of code? Like maybe they weren't ready. 
Like maybe it just wasn't because you know this isn't meant to be this full thing. Like you know, you guys were talking last week about like things change and they might not have included everything. Like we don't hundred percent know what it is we've got access to. I guess like how far along it is in any of the tracks, right? Like nobody, I assume, truly would know that information. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's there's always going to be. I mean, you can look at all this stuff and look at all the evidence, but you we don't have like the full story of it, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's really hard to separate from features with Apple, the way they frame them and the way that they explain them during the keynote and then, and afterwards through marketing, all that's missing from this too. Right. So all we know or seem to know is that this is what the, the new phone looks like roughly, but we don't really know to your, to our points a couple of minutes ago, but what is the bottom area going to be like? What are they going to do with the top? Why are they doing all of this? What happens to developers who don't update their apps? What do developers get if they do update their apps? Like all of that stuff is still unknown. That, that can't be revealed in firmware. Um, you know, I, I, hopefully we haven't been uh, uh, guilty of, of holding this up saying this has all the answers because it doesn't. It has lots of answers, but it also raises way more questions than we had before this, right? Uh, and so it's it's super interesting. I think it's historic in the sense that we haven't seen uh, an error or a leak, whatever you want to call it, from Apple like this in a really long time. And I bet it's a really long time before we see it again. I would imagine there's been some <laughs> policy change about how things happen now, uh, I would hope. But uh-huh. it's uh, it's just a, a very fascinating thing. And, you know, if if the new, the new phone will look like this and we'll get the full story in a couple weeks, but until then it's... Um, I have to say, like... July and August are really generally quiet times for us as far as like content and you know, things to talk about in the summer. Like it's just quiet in tech. That's not been the case for 2017. Yeah, like, I would like to personally thank whoever it was that did this. <laughs> I know you're going for a real tough time and I'm, I apologize uh, that, that your life has maybe taken a turn that you wish they hadn't. But from I would like to just thank you because you've made my job <laughs> really terrible. easy for the last few weeks. Terrible. I'm trying yeah. to be nice, you know. I feel for this person. Yeah. I make mistakes all the time, um, but fortunately for Not me, like I this. guess they don't. <laughs> they don't. Probably. Well, I'm sure I make mistakes <laughs> akin to this, right? Like just putting mm. somewhere where it's not supposed to go, but the ramifications I'm aren't just the same. Gonna make a note there. Check all of Mike's Check folders. Relay security. Usually, I just put the laundry in the in the wrong drawer, not the wrong firmware in the wrong directory. But that's basically the same, Mike. Mm-hmm. Today's show is brought to you by Encapsula. They have the website security tools with a content delivery network that will make your website safer, faster, and more reliable. Look, every day, websites of all sizes are attacked. It happens. Criminals use these botnets to scrape website content. They try and break, smash into databases and bring sites down with denial of service attacks. This is just a thing that happens on the internet. Well, Encapsula is there to stop it. Encapsula's network has successfully defended some of the largest website attacks on record. They have three terabits per second of on-demand scrubbing capacity and can process 30 billion attacks per second. That's a lot. That is a lot. If anything does happen to you, Encapsula's powerful CDN will ensure that your content is delivered to your customers lightning fast. You don't want people to be coming to your website and bailing on it because it's slow. With Encapsula, they would have no idea that anything bad was happening behind the scenes. You can then see attacks as they happen on Encapsula's dashboard to help you adjust your security policies on the fly. As a listener of this show, you can get one whole month of service for free. Just go to Encapsula.com slash connected. That's I-N-C-A-P-S-U-L-A dot com slash connected. This is where you'll find out 
out more about what they do and claim your free month. Thank you so much to Encapsula for their support of this show and Relay FM. So yesterday, uh, iOS 11 Beta 5 came out. With it came some uh, new features, some late breaking reversals of features, um, some stuff mm-hmm. that we've spoken about on this show over the last few weeks. Um, I guess the first one is that messages in iCloud has been removed, right? Federico, what, yeah. is, what does this mean? Uh, it means that WWDC Apple announced a feature to store your entire iMessage thread history in iCloud and to sync that between devices and to also sync uh, deletion status of like you delete a message on your iPhone, it's also deleted on your iPad and your Mac. And uh, the feature was working well for me, but after checking in on Twitter and talking to a few people, it seems like it was very problematic for others. Um, uh, Whether it was uh, using a ton of storage or like we're talking hundreds of gigabytes of storage to sync entire, uh, you know, threads that go back like multiple years. Because if you flip on the switch on a Mac that has been running messages for three years, now you get three years of attachments and logs on iCloud. Um, So it it seems like Apple uh, needed more time to get this feature ready. And uh, according to the release notes in beta 5, it's not coming with iOS 11.0. It's coming in a later update to iOS 11. And usually when Apple posts these notices I remember a couple of years ago there was a search feature for for Spotlight uh, that didn't ship with iOS uh, 9 and eventually came out in iOS 10 as differential privacy so usually when Apple does these delays um, it's not unusual that they come out a year later as a full feature like presented differently uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if messages in iCloud become something else next year, or maybe this time it's different, and maybe this time it's actually coming with iOS 11.1 or 0.2. I just don't have a lot of faith. Uh, so that's too bad because it was useful. It was working well for me. But, you know, it's that kind of feature that is so essential, you know, when you ask people to flip a switch for iMessage and upload their their entire history to iCloud, the system better be working well. Otherwise, don't do it at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm more hopeful than that that it that it will show up. Uh, m- my thought was when I, when I saw this news that either they came across something they've got to fix and they need more time, or that the something with the ramp up to this, you know, whatever the the initial initial like I signed up for iOS 11, this checkbox gets checked by default. What does that mean in the background? What does iCloud have to do? what sort of data is required on Apple's end that something in there maybe needs more time that maybe they started low testing it and, and, and it developed a problem. I mean, who, who knows? I will, we'll never know. But uh, I agree with you. The feature seemed really interesting. It seemed, you know, like for me, like I, I you know, like Mike, I have a, a MacBook pro that I don't use every day. And Why anytime I open it, it, <laughs> it, it just, it takes forever to like sync the stuff and, and mm-hmm. to make that better, um, uh, I welcome, but it's got to be done right. They can't get that wrong, mm-hmm. and yeah. so uh, I would rather them delay than have a have a a, a failure. <laughs> you know, messages are really important to people. iMessage is an incredibly important service for Apple, and if they blow it, then that becomes what everyone remembers about iOS 11, and yep. they don't want that. So stick it in a point update. Make sure it's good. Uh, totally cool with me. Mm-hmm. Now we have spent a ton of time talking about the blue bar the location bar right like <laughs> i think on the whole we we were all pretty upset about the persistent blue 
location mm-hmm. while it seemed like a, a bad decision. Um, it seems like Apple agrees that it's a bad decision, so mm-hmm. they've they've completely changed the way this works <laughs> really late, right? Like, Beta uh-huh. 5 is pretty late to be making a sweeping change like this. Mm. I don't fully understand what's going on here, Federico. Okay. Yeah. So I'm hoping that you can help me. This is a quick... Uh Teachy re-teaches, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're going back to school. <laughs> we're, we're going back to school, boys. It's back to so, school season. <laughs> all right, have a seat and listen up. Uh, okay. So here's, here's what's changed. Uh, so remember I told you that there were two types of location access. Uh, when in use and always. When in use means you're actually using the app right now. Always means the app is requesting your location in the background. In the first few betas of iOS 11, until beta 4, if you had an app that was was using the always type of location access in the background, like Google Maps Timeline or Moves or Swarm, you were seeing constantly the blue bar. Uh, Because Apple was thinking, you know, there's an app using your location in the background, you want to see the blue bar. Now in beta 5, they have completely changed course. Now the blue bar is an option that developers can request if they want it. So by default, if you, if you have an app like Google Maps or Facebook Moves or whatever that is using your location in the background, now you only see the location arrow icon in the status bar. In iOS 11, the location arrow is hollow when there's an app that is requesting your location and it's a field icon. It's a field in arrow when your location is actively being transmitted to the app. But that's all you see. And if the developer wants it, it can also show the blue bar as a shortcut that you can tap to go back to the app. So basically, before the blue bar was being enforced on every single app that was using the location in the background, now... It's not enforced anymore, and it's something that developers can ask for if they want it, if they think it's useful. Um, And I should also specify that the apps that use the when-in-use access, so apps that you're using right now to access your location, um, those apps can also be backgrounded, uh, but it means they're still running, so they're they're not being suspended by the system. So, like when you start up uh, the, you know, the, I think of the excellent uh, skiing app uh, Slopes. For example, when you open it, when you start uh, a workout, and you close the app, you see the blue bar because uh, that's an app that you're using right now, that is still running in the system, and that can also show the blue bar. But that's a different topic. What Apple changed is the whole deal with the background location access. We were talking about, oh, Apple is now shaming apps that are using your location in the background. And it seems like enough people complained and enough people found that confusing or maybe big companies complained that Apple changed course completely and now the blue bar is something that you should want if necessary. It's not enforced by default anymore. Um, I don't know what to think. Uh, maybe, you know, I've come to... I mean, besides the fact that I, I wasted, like, an entire day writing up this chapter, which yep. is now useless. So imagine how happy <laughs> I am. Uh, but besides <laughs> that, maybe maybe we were wrong. And maybe 
Apple didn't want to shame apps at all. Like maybe Apple was thinking, hey, this is useful for everyone. Like it wasn't supposed to shame apps. It was only supposed to be useful and that kind of backfired. So Apple found another way to be useful, which is make it an API that developers can ask for optionally. I, I don't know. It just it doesn't make so any strange. sense to me because who would ask for that? Like there's no logic. So I've also been thinking about this. I've also been thinking about this. And an idea could be, and this is, uh, I realize, a pretty narrow use You're case. You're going for a stretch here, aren't you? I can, I I'm, go, I'm, I'm <laughs> going for whatever I, I can find, man. It's like, uh, maybe you have an exercise workout type of app that, um, you know, you want to quickly get back into while you're running or doing something else. And maybe the developer says, you know, I actually want the blue bar because I want to enable mm. users to okay. open the workout screen quickly. That is actually a pretty good use case, but I feel like you are finding that as opposed to it being the intention. Do you know what I mean? Like you, mm. you have put the thought in to be like, oh, okay, this is a good application for that. I don't believe that this was the intention when they put it into iOS 11 um, in the first place. Me neither. Honestly, me neither. Uh, all signs were pointing to Apple um, sort of not wanting developers to use lo yep. always location access as much as they are. They had an entire segment at WWDC talking about you know how many apps use location access in the background that they don't actually need it. And they were talking about, you know, uh, all the stuff in iOS 11 with when in use is now enforced. And that is still true. Uh, you got to support the when in use authorization. And you can also upgrade from when in use to always. So none of that has changed. Uh, so all of that's we, the same. All of hmm. that is the same. So your app needs to support the basic when in use location access. And your yeah. app can still do the upgrade flow from when in use to always. So that is still the same. The only thing that has changed is if your app is using the always type location access, not necessarily it has to show the blue bar. It's an option. And yep. if they want it, they can show it. If they don't, it, they won't show the blue bar. I think that this is what happens when you have a public beta. Right, like I think it was the same uh, with yeah. the cover sheet stuff that I just expect that people were just losing their minds over this, right? Be because again, like this doesn't, this isn't on the iPad, is it? Because I've never seen the blue bar. Is it just on the iPhone? This stuff? I think it's also on the iPad. I'm not a hundred percent sure because I didn't enable the Google Maps timeline, but I, I don't see why it wouldn't be on the iPad. So yeah, I just assume it's on both of them. Okay. Well, I mean, my, my assumption from this is just like they were paying attention to people that just weren't in liking this feature, right? The same with cover sheet. Rather, we, we, there were a lot of people saying this doesn't work, like the notification stuff doesn't work the way that I want, like I need to be able to tap this, like all this kind of stuff. I just expect that it was a similar thing here because as we spoke about and we've been speaking about it for a couple of weeks, right? Th this is not a good user experience, having this persistent blue bar that pops up because there's an application like Tracker or like Swarm, which you want to be doing this stuff, but there was no way to be like, no, please just let me. So I assume that they've just figured we're just gonna we're just gonna revert it and maybe come back to it later in another way. I guess like if this at this stage it's probably for iOS eleven easier to remove the blue bar than to change it to have this like user opt in type thing, right? Like where I can go in and say like no, don't do it for this app. 
I expect it's mm-hmm. easier to just be like for for this yeah. release. Just like, let's just get rid of that. We'll keep the underpinning of the whole location stuff. We can then come back to it later on. That makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I thought about it, and it seems like adding an entire set of user preferences is probably too late for that. But to make a single API call is probably easier. A couple of other little things I just wanted to touch on. It seems that multitasking is being really kind of called out um, yeah. during setup, which is really good. Yeah, uh, I was setting up my iPad, uh, upgrading from beta 4 to beta 5, and during the update process, you know, when you got to sign into your account again, mm-hmm. I saw these two screens. Uh, there, are, I, I believe that they will get some kind of video uh, in the final seed. Right now, it's just a static image. They were basically Apple explaining the dock and the new app switcher and how you can access recent apps um, from the app switcher and also how you can put more, your favorite ones in the dock. So it seems like uh, our feeling of you gotta buy into the idea of the dock and the app switcher to understand iOS 11, it's also the way that Apple is gonna explain iOS 11 to people of use the dock for your most important stuff and find your recent apps into the switcher and then use drag and drop and, you know, all these other multitasking commands to rearrange how apps are combined or, you know, uh, with split view and slide over and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the last thing that I saw that I found interesting that there's been a bunch of keyboard shortcuts added to files, yeah. <laughs> uh, which Steve Trout-Smith obviously uh, discovered, yeah. which I think look great. Like yeah. there's a fantastic yeah. list here, like create folder and duplicate and paste and move it. Like there's loads, that, and it, yeah. I'm really excited about that. Uh, of any app, files should have these. Like <laughs> yeah, oh uh, yeah, I, I think it's great. So it's good to see them adding those in. I don't understand why why create folder has to be common shift and probably because of compatibility with the finder uh, because on the finder command n creates a window instead of a new folder which doesn't make any sense to me so I guess they've kind of kept that for for files as well out of you know legacy yeah, just so, muscle, yeah, I think muscle, muscle memory. memory yeah muscle memory yeah um, uh, it doesn't make sense to me because why the shift well like I'm not opening a new window on iOS but mm, it's fine can't wait to see what command n does <laughs> Just keep pressing it all day. <laughs> Someday something will happen. Yeah. Uh, last thing before we finish today, I kind of wanted to, we're getting close to this point, and I know you guys are both working on reviews. Um, I'm working on reviews of your reviews, so uh, I'm mm. really keen to see how this is coming along. Uh, Stephen, I know that you're working on a, a High Sierra review. How's that going for hey. you? It's good. Slow. Yeah. Uh, I actually spent some time today uh, looking through the sections I've left, and I've put all the hard stuff off, and now it's time to do the hard stuff. But uh, it's kind of nice because High Sierra is a smaller release, so it's not as expansive, not nearly as expansive as Federico has to do. But there's still um, lots of little things. I like to to try to draw attention to like the little touches, little grab bag stuff, of uh, just little tweaks here and there. And those just take time to find using High Sierra and noticing. And um, but yeah, it's it's moving along slowly but surely. Federico. Um, it's going really well, I think. So usually by this time in August, so the first week of August, I'm still not even halfway through. And this time, if my calculations and plans are correct, I should be done with the writing either tomorrow or in a couple of days. Whoa. And 
I basically, I basically have the entire review, except the conclusion, but I'm not going to write the conclusion until I've done at least a couple of rounds of editing. But I have just one chapter left, which was, of course, notifications and the cover sheet, which I saved for the fifth beta of iOS. Now I feel pretty confident that that is the actual design we're going to get. Uh, so one, I only have that chapter left. I finished a bunch of sections today of another chapter, now the only thing left is notifications. I should be done with that in three to four hours, I think. So mm. once I'm once I'm done with that, uh, I've already done the editing for the intro, and I have an actual editor this time. Um, it's me. So I, get, <laughs> it, it's, no, it's I can confirm me. it. It is not Mike. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise there there would be no editing. I'm just Watch I'm it. kidding, Mike. Watch it. I'm kidding. Okay. I'm kidding. I add errors in. That's my edit. That's mm-hmm. how I do it. I just like to keep mm. you on your toes. I think for you know we're at the eighth of August. I think it's going well. I'm way ahead of schedule, which is good news. Well, that's good news, man. I'm really pleased for you. You've 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 mm. budgeted your time real well this year. Yeah, I mean, I, I basically haven't worked uh, in two months, but <laughs> that's what happens when you have a team of people taking care of the website for you. Uh, you can focus on other stuff. So that's been great. Uh, but yeah, I'm basically done. All right. I think that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, you can go and find our show notes at relay.fm slash connected slash 154. Um, you can also, whilst you're there, become a Relay FM member, support this show, support any show that you want. We'd really appreciate it. Um, if you want to follow us on the internet there's a few places you can do that you can go to maxstories.net or 512pixels.net you can follow us on twitter i'm at imike i-m-y-k-e federico is at vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i steven is at i-s-m-h uh, thanks again to our lovely sponsors this week, the fine folk over at FreshBooks, Balance, and Encapsula. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.